I mean, to that point, who the heck is Get Health? You know, <laughs> it's not a name we hear on a regular basis. Um, and yet they, whatever it is that they do, whatever it is that their API offers, their their middle layer um, is exposing, you know, these huge high profile partners um, to, to risk. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Himscast. I'm your host, Jonah Comstock. Uh, last week, a database was breached exposing more than 61 million records from fitness trackers and wearables. Uh, this included data from Apple Health Kit and Fitbit, among others. Uh, in the wake of this breach, uh, there's been some discussion about how safe our health information is in the hands of consumer wearables and apps. And there's also been a response from the Federal Trade Commission warning health companies that they need to comply with regulations on breach notification. So here to talk a little bit about this story, place it in a larger context, um, talk about what it means and what will happen next, I have a team of HIMSS media editors, uh, Moby Health News Managing Editor Laura Lovett. Hi, Laura. Hi, happy to be here. Uh, Healthcare IT News Executive Editor Mike Milliard. Hi, Mike. Hello. Welcome. Thanks. And making her podcast debut, uh, Moby Health News Senior Editor, Emily Olson. Hey, Emily. Hi. Hi. Happy to be here. So let's just start out um, with a little bit of an overview of the news, um, in case anybody missed it. Emily, you wrote the story for Moby Health News. Tell us uh, uh, what happened here. Yeah, so this was about a week ago. I think I wrote this on September 14th. Um, and so pretty much what happened is a breach report came out from Website Planet and security researcher Jeremiah Fowler. Um, and he wrote in kind of a breach report that there was a non-password protected database that he found that contained, uh, that exposed more than 61 million records um, that contained data mostly from like fitness trackers and wearables, stuff like that. Um, he said that it contained information like first and last name, um, display name, birth date, weight, height, you know, gender, geolocation data. So a lot of different types of data there. Um, he said in like a limited sample that he went through of like 20,000 records, he wrote that, um, Fitbit appeared at a source, um, like more than 2,700 times and Apple health kit appeared like more than 17,700 times. So also pretty frequently. But um, the actual database came from a third party called GitHealth, um, sort of like an API for wearables. That's what they describe themselves as on their website. Um, so it isn't just Apple Health Kit or just Fitbit, because they worked with other places like um, 23andMe, they had Daily Mile, Fat Secret, Google Fit. So there's other places that it could come from, but you know, Fitbit and Apple Health Kit are kind of big names there. Um, Fowler wrote, that he didn't imply any wrongdoing or by GitHelp or any of their customers or anything. Um, and they aren't implying that they any customer or user data was at risk. So they don't know that yet. Um, but he kind of said that they only want to highlight this discovery to kind of say, like, raise awareness about the dangers and cyber cybersecurity vulnerabilities right. posed by, like, Internet of Things. This is kind of a white hat hacker situation, right? That we don't know that um, bad actors actually got access to this data, but we don't know that they didn't. Yeah, they just kind of found this. And so he sent an email to get help and they next day kind of said that they'd secured it and it was under control. But yeah, they don't know exactly where that data kind of ended up. It was just exposed. And then Laura, tell us about the response from the FTC. That came just a couple of days later, right? 
Yeah, yeah. So earlier this week, we heard from the FTC um, that they're making health apps a little bit more accountable for telling patients when their data has been exposed. Actually, you know, it's not a new um, guidance. It's been around for about 10 years, but it seems like they're going to be starting to enforce it. And they're also sort of expanding or kind of clarifying to expand who is included in that. Um, and that's including more health apps, so maybe more sleepers, sleeper trackers, um, more fitness apps, things like that, where before um, there was maybe a little bit more confusion in terms of who was included because it used to be um, personal health records were included. Um, and so I think that there was a little bit of confusion of, you know, what is a personal health record? And now they're kind of expanding that. Um, but with that now... If um, companies do not tell their uh, patients or um, users that there has been a breach every day, there's going to be about a $43,000 a day fine. Um, so there's a little bit of money behind it, which means, um, you know, it's it's not now just this sort of abstract guidance, but actually there's going to be um, there's going to be fines associated with it as well. And, you know, in some cases, you just have to tell patients, and in other cases, you're going to also have to tell the media. And in, I think in all cases as well, you have to tell the FC, FTC. So, Mike, I wanted you to join us because you write our, our cybersecurity newsletter. You deal with a lot of cybersecurity issues um, like this on the hospital provider side. Um, obviously, we've seen data breaches in the, in the past from hospitals. We've seen them from payers. Um, now we're seeing them from, uh, you know, what, what is... A, a consumer tech company or, or a consumer tech middleman. Um, give give me a little context on on this, and and you know, was there anything about this that surprised you? What's the narratives that this kind of plays into? I think maybe one of the things that surprised me is that it took this long. I mean, you know, these apps and, and you know devices have been proliferating at a rapid rate for quite a while, and now the makers are going to be held to very similar standards. And I haven't done a side-by-side -side comparison of the rules, but you know, there's been a breach notification rule in place for HIPAA-covered entities and their business associates for quite a long time, um, and you know, they're on the hook for um, you know doing risk assessments and protecting you know for protected health information. And you know, they certainly need to um, make it known um, when there are breaches um, to protected health information. And so now, you know, these these um, app developers and and device makers are going to be held to the same standards. Um, and as we've seen, and what we held covers on a daily basis, you know, they're a, a ubiquitous part of daily life now. So um, I think it only makes sense. So I'm glad you mentioned HIPAA and PHI because I, I think one of the big uh, things that we're always hearing from the crowd that says, you know, that HIPAA isn't enough or that we need a new HIPAA or that HIPAA needs a big update is that it doesn't cover these consumer devices. It doesn't cover, you know, these apps. Um, so it's what's in one interesting lesson here, I think, is that even though you might not be covered by HIPAA, that doesn't mean you're not, um, you know, that doesn't mean you don't have to be vigilant about this stuff and report your breaches because there's other organizations that are taking that on from the consumer perspective, right? Yeah, and as devices um, become more central, you know, we've we've got these new patient access rules um, and you know info blocking rules from from CMS and ONC, and and devices are going to be um, whether it's 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 connected devices like these, but more just even just smartphones are going to be central to um, you know data patients getting access to their data, and so as they're using these apps, I think it's it's important that they be um, you know held to the same stringent standards that other technologies are. Um, yeah. I mean, this happened really just at the same time as Apple made an announcement about its its health sharing 
um, data sharing uh, thing that it announced back in, in June, I think. Um, you know, is that is that an important connection to make? I mean, because that seems like the more this data interoperates, the more, you know, things go between hospitals and, and consumer devices, the, the more dangerous a breach like this becomes, right? Yeah, uh, we just covered that today. It's actually the top story on Healthcare IT News. You know, Apple's going to be integrating directly with, uh, you know, big EHR vendors, you know, Allscripts, Athena Health, Cerner, CPSI, Dr. Chrono, and, and Meditech. Um, but speaking of Apple, I mean, the thing this brought to mind was uh, another story we published uh, last week where um, Apple, you know, people were told to, to update their, their, um, smartphone, their iPhones uh, because uh, it had been found uh, from, you know, Citizens Lab. This, this uh, research found the spyware um, from NSO Group. This Pegasus spyware had been um, uh, infiltrated onto, onto Apple devices, um, which just shows how kind of exquisitely um, vulnerable <laughs> even, you know, devices that exist in all of our pockets are to, um, to this sort of um, breach potential. Even a company that prides itself on privacy and security like Apple. Right. Historically, yeah. Go ahead, Laura. Yeah, I was going to say that, you know, um, Apple is a really interesting example because it does have these high standards. But, you know, at Mobi, we're writing about healthcare startups and there are, you know, hundreds hundreds of thousands of apps that are launching every year. And, you know, not every health app is created equally and not every health app has the team behind it to have that cybersecurity element. Um, and so I think it's really interesting when you talk about health apps, there's just so many out there um, and not all of them are going to have, you know, um, the resources that can be an Apple or a Fitbit. Um, and so to see that those companies are vulnerable and obviously maybe they're a bigger target because they are, um, you know, just bigger companies. But at the same time, what's going to happen to the little, little guys then? Um, I think that's like kind of an interesting question going forward. And some of them, frankly, probably don't care too much about having the resources. I mean, I'm sure a lot of them are just kind of in on the healthcare gold rush and are rushing to get these, you know, products out without building security into their um, into their technology. I mean, to that point, who the heck is Get Health? You know, <laughs> it's not a name we hear on a regular basis. Um, and yet they, whatever it is that they do, whatever it is that their API offers, their their middle layer um, is exposing you know, these huge high profile partners, um, to, to risks, um, or, or to that rather to their, their users to risks. Um, I don't know, Emily, if you can tell me any, any more than that about <laughs> who they are. It was hard for me also when I was look, re- reporting the story because I wanted to just like, you know, look at their website, their website was down, um, as you might expect after this. And then today I was kind of looking a little bit more and tried to find it again. I was like, maybe it'll be up by now. And it's still, it isn't up fully. It seems like it's kind of taken in like a middle kind of area. So it is hard to even find information on sort of like a middleman API like this. Um, one other thing that I thought was really interesting that uh, Fowler, the security researcher noted in his paper is that he said, you know, a lot of wearable users probably don't think cyber criminals are interested in like, you know, your step count or what your sleep was like the night before, but um, he noted that a lot of people will integrate with like a profile where you're including your name, like geolocation data. So it might be pretty easy to kind of pin that stuff together and say, oh, this is who this data actually belongs to. Yeah. I mean, it's probably a little bit of a digression, but we all remember the the Strava story from a few years ago where, you know, the, the data that Strava thought it would be safe to de-identify people's walking routes and ended up, um, it ended up picking out a top secret military base um, full of U.S. soldiers using their Strava apps uh, as they walked around the base. Um, so, you know, infer- you know, data that we think 
oh, how could this possibly be dangerous? Uh, it always seems to have a way of being dangerous. Has there been any response from Apple and Fitbit um, or, or anyone else who was affected? I mean, have they talked uh, either to this or to, to um, as you said, Mike, that, that other recent story about the spyware? Are these companies just staying quiet? I haven't seen anything about this specifically, but like I said, it, was, it wasn't Fitbit or Apple necessarily that exposed the data. It was this other company, and it did include some other... Um, other sources for the data as well. And I guess now the idea is that, oh, well, they, they shut this database down that they protected it. So I guess they assume maybe it, maybe the problem was solved there. And, and in some sense it was, but, uh, (laughs) in another sense, you know, we have to ask ourselves, like, how did this happen or how did this almost happen? And I'm sure that that's the, that's the conversation that led the FTC to insert itself and say, Hey, right. There's consequences to this. I mean, it's not the first story or the first time that we've seen the FTC have to sort of take on um, digital health apps either. Uh, In January, actually, Flow Health, which is a fertility tracking app, um, they settled with the FTC regarding um, complaints and allegations of improper disclosure of sensitive user data um, to third-party marketing and analytic services like Facebook, Google, and others. Um, And that's pretty sensitive data. I mean, it's a lot of going along with fertility cycles, things like that. Um, and so, you know, seeing that was sort of a, a precursor to, to later things, perhaps. What are the other, um, some other kind of lessons and, and takeaways from this? I mean, I think there's been a lot of discussion around cybersecurity at hospitals. Um, but now, what what does that mean for personal devices? And, and, you know, I think that there has been this move, right? Obviously, everybody's talking about patients as consumers, and increasingly patients are taking control of their data, and that also means having it on their phones. Um, you know, we saw Apple has Apple health records, all of that kind of thing, where people are kind of in control of that, but um, perhaps those um, services that are giving users their data on their phone or on their personal devices just aren't don't have the same security that health systems have or, or have had to invest in over the years. Yeah, and electronic health records and medical devices, which is another area we haven't really covered yet, which, you know, there's not just privacy issues, but critical safety issues there when it comes to security. But, you know, those are, are generally business, HIPAA business associates, and they have to sign business associate agreements, and they're on the hook as if they're a HIPAA-covered entity almost. But, you know, a lot of these app developers are not. Um, as, as, as providers are, are prescribing apps, you know, we're hearing about that a lot more, and, and they are, you know, using these apps in a much more uh, proactive way. I think it's going to be interesting to see how that's, that the rules around that continue to evolve. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you know, the thing about HIPAA was that it was a stronger standard, and there was some, I don't want to say confusion about who it applied to, but, you know, it, it was not you know, the 1996 law was not designed with our current understanding of interoperability and APIs and everything, calling everything else. Um, and and I remember there was a time when everyone said, so does any API that I use have to be a business associate? And the answer is basically yes, it does. So, um, so that's the argument for having a standard that applies across, you know, everything, including these, these consumer devices. But as we as we move away from this idea of, of health is in the hospital, health is one thing, um, we, we start to really broaden the field of what needs to be protected the way we protect our health data. So I think that's really huge and really you interesting. Know, I wonder yeah. if 
GDPR will come into this conversation at all either. Um, and I mean, you know, that's not really my expertise area, but looking um, down the road, it looks like, you know, the American system also might be looking to adopt something like that. And I wonder if that will help to protect data in a different way and if that will cover more entities um, than, than HIPAA does right now. I would not be surprised to see this file report turn up the next time that Congress is debating a, a you know, GDPR-esque privacy bill, because I know that has been coming up um, pretty regularly. Yeah, well, I mean, the U.S. is quite different from Europe in that we have a lot of, <laughs> I could think we could expect quite a bit more pushback on the private sector here if we tried something like that. But, uh, you know, I, I, I certainly think it's, 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 it's possible. Yeah. Well, there's the California privacy law that goes, you know, further in that direction. And and then there's this argument that, you know, the way that we use apps isn't really restricted to states at all. So if it's, you know, if it's that strict one place, then the company might as well do it wherever. I also wonder if there's a security optics issue here, right? Um, it's really important to Apple um, that people trust that you know, people trust HealthKit. Um, people trust the apps that interact with HealthKit because they want to get adoption um, so that they can, you know, so that they can do these cool integrations with hospitals and with EHRs and with um, health devices. News like this, you know, even if it wasn't Apple that was at fault, quote unquote, their name's in the headline, you know, <laughs> and their and health gets in the headline. So th- does this does this hurt adoption, which then hurts uh, kind of the ability for this kind of data sharing to actually have positive impacts in health? I mean, it's also a warning to choose your partners well, too. Um, if you're going to have this, you know, huge billions of billion dollar company, um, you know, what companies are you deciding to partner with? And you have the resources to partner with the best of the best. Um, and, and maybe it's sort of showing that that you should. I don't, I don't know. I mean, and, and who knows? Maybe this company was amazing. Like, I, I don't I really can't speak to what this um, middleman was. Um, but I do think it, it does show like, you know, you have to make sure that all of your partners are. Um, have tight security as well. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, going back to the comparison with hospitals, um, they, they do tend, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Mike, but, you know, a good CISO will kind of vet every partner and, you know, every kind of pipe that the data goes through. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would hope that would be at a minimum. <laughs> they're, they're thinking very hard about the, you know, technology partners they're bringing on board. I guess in the meantime, it's a good thing we have... Uh, good guys who are looking out for these unprotected databases and things. Sometimes. <laughs> good for whom is the question, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it was a very long and comprehensive report that was written um, by Jeremiah Fowler and Website Planet, but it is kind of like this was found because, you know, and they let the company know that this had happened. It seemed like probably the company hadn't known that before. So it is a little disconcerting I guess if you're like a user that like oh they they didn't know this you probably didn't know you know what API or what middleman that you signed up for you probably weren't thinking about it you know so and now all of a sudden this could have been this exposed about where you live your name other you know health information could be out there but you don't really know that yeah, and a lot of people don't realize that, you know, you, you may just kind of, you know, be kidding yourself that it doesn't care how many steps you got in, in your Fitbit or in Apple Health. But uh, as we've seen from, you know, the value of an electronic health record in the black market, you know, the bad guys have, have certainly found ways to, to wring lots of, of value from, from all kinds of data. And, you know, they're getting ever more creative and innovative in the way that they 
um, you know, use it, whether it's ransomware or extortion or, or putting stuff on the, on the dark web. And um, so they're, they're finding ways to monetize uh, data no matter what the type. I, I just think that there's sort of that growing um, idea where people are like, oh, well, they already know everything about me. Like Google already knows everything about me. Fitbit already knows, like whatever. I'm going to sacrifice some privacy for my convenience. And, you know, um, I think oftentimes people think, okay, they know X, YZ about me, it's going to come back in adverts, which is one thing. Um, but I don't think that um, ransomware is what they're thinking when they're thinking that. So, you know, what are you willing to sacrifice if you're going to sacrifice your freedom? I mean, not freedom, privacy rather. Um, you know, are you willing to sacrifice just having these these ads come back to you? Or are you willing to sacrifice like having, you know, actual um, these breaches out there? Yeah. You know, in some cases and in some countries, you may be sacrificing your freedom. I mean, this, this, the spyware that they were finding on, on devices that was uh, this Pegasus spyware, I mean, it was oftentimes targeting journalists and, and dissidents. So um, that's a whole other podcast, perhaps. But um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so do we think this is sort of this is the end of the story? Uh, finding the database, patched it up, uh, stern warning from the FTC. Um, what do you guys expect to to see next do you think there'll be more of these um there'll be a response from the industry yes almost i mean it's charming to think of the days where at healthcare it news we used to try to cover every data breach but it quickly became apparent that that was um a sisyphean task to say the least and you know they're a, a daily fact of life now so um yes many more yeah, and especially as more oh sorry, well especially as more people decide to use fitness trackers and wearables, um, like a Pew Research survey conducted in twenty nineteen found like twenty one percent of U.S. adults said they regularly wear like a smartwatch or a fitness tracker. So that's like a big chunk of people, and I assume more people will use them as different types come out and they're more suited to their needs, or more people use them, or their friends use them. So, right, and it's not just the trackers themselves, right? Like apps that just track your steps directly um and those are proliferated in the you know tens of thousands easily so any final thoughts from you laura no you know and i don't know if it really relates but i, I was just thinking a lot about you know fitbit acquiring i mean google acquiring fitbit rather and just um you know one source having so much of you know a person's potential data and what could that mean for potential um, ransomware in the future? And again, um, they, they seem to be kept very separate right now, I will say. Um, but it's just really interesting having one company have, I mean, think about all of your search data on top of all of your you know, fitness data, your heart rate, all that kind of thing. Um, I had a friend who knew her Fitbit, like basically was what told her she was pregnant. Um, you know, like this is very, it can be very personal data. Um, you know, your heart rate's affected by that and that kind of thing. Um, and so I don't know, just having a company like that, it's it just kind of, it's interesting to me in the future, um, how much data should, should companies have? You're saying even if there's not a breach, just the fact that the parent company has access to this data should be maybe a little worrying. Yeah. And then going from there, I mean, you know, yeah, if, if, there, if there's a breach, there's even a lot more data there than um, if it's connected. And I, again, I don't think Google does connect it at the moment, so that's not a thing right now, but just sort of looking down the road, um, I think it's a question. Well, thank you all so much. I think we've, I think we've talked this thing to death. <laughs> I'm ready to bring, put it to bed. Any other final thoughts? Well, I would just say I think it's going to be interesting to see now that the rule is out, 
how often and how you know vigorously it's enforced. Um, you know, I'm thinking back to a conversation I had with Devin McGraw, who was the chief privacy officer at ONC, and she um, worked at HHS Office for Civil Rights. Um, and you know, she made the case that the FTC is overburdened. Uh, you know, that's a quote. They need some boosted person power and probably authority to be more successful at being the privacy cop on the block. Um, and this is back before this is before this this law was put into place. This rule. So um, the enforcement money is steep. Um, I'll just be curious to see how many cases um, there are. So it'll be really interesting to watch going forward. Well, by the way, we've had Devin on the podcast. So uh, listeners who are, who are curious to learn more can can find that one in the archives. We'll include a link in the show notes. She's a great guest. I'm sure we'll have her back. Uh, thank you all so much for joining me. It's been uh, too long since we've done one of these um, editors-only uh news news focused podcasts and it was is great to tap into your expertise of course thank you all for listening and until next time keep innovating keep being healthcare change makers <laughs>